Hello everyone, my name is Dee and you are listening to Teaching Journey Podcast, Connecting Through Early Education, Episode 4. This episode I sat down with Neha, who I met decades ago when we were both in our Bachelor of Early Childhood in University of Melbourne. We are now both mums migrated here from our home country and we spoke from our perspectives on cultural representations in education setting. The work that she has done is so inspiring. She has combined her knowledge on her early childhood and her cultural heritage to provide children from Indian backgrounds to feel included and belong in a social and educational environment. The playgroup that she's created is called Desi Tunes with Neha, which you can actually find on Facebook, and has now extended to families from different cultural backgrounds to join in and embrace the culture activities that she had offered. She has also written an article for parents talking to kids about race, and both links are in the description. I found it so fascinating that one of the challenges she found as she was creating learning experiences for her playgroup was that she was mindful of her biases and the tokenistic representation around her own Indian culture. And this is always a challenge for any of us teachers when we consider on cultural representations in our practices. Neha has reminded us to put our assumptions aside and to look at each individual family as its own. And I resonate really strongly today. As a migrant family from Malaysia, as a parent, we have picked and choose the Malaysian culture that we hold strongly to and adapt it to the beautiful Australian culture that we grow to love and lead. Creating and building on towards our own identity. And this is so important for us because what we value and find important will look completely different to another family who have migrated from Malaysia. Neha has reminded us of the powerful importance of working in partnership with families. To ask questions, to wonder, and to be a sponge, she said. Put your biases and assumptions aside and relearn what you know about the culture of the child and the family. Just as the early years learning framework urges us to think of ways to create an environment that feels safe, secure, and supported for the children and the families. I hope you are able to feel Neha's passion in cultural diversity and inclusion through the recording and inspire you to revisit your cultural inclusive and diversity pedagogies in a whole different perspective. And I know that today we spoke about deeply about Indian culture, but I hope that you're able to apply this to any culture of children and families that you have in your center. So here it is, episode 4 with Neha Jane. Enjoy! Hi everyone, here with me today is Neha Jane. We have known each other when we were both studying uh, in our Bachelor of Early Childhood at Melbourne University. And it is almost two decades now since we both graduated. And just speaking to you recently, Neha, it was so inspiring for me, hearing about your journey that has been led by your passion and knowledge, not only in early childhood, but something that's really close to your heart which is motherhood and your cultural heritage. Um, And after we had that quick chat, I'm really excited that we're recording today because your perspective as a parent, but also as a teacher offers a great understanding on how we can come together as a professional in supporting diversity and how our approach from here on in terms of cultural teachings with young people. And our conversation really resonated with me because we have migrated um, here in Australia. You know, you from Singapore, myself from Malaysia, and having this diversified identity, and I call it diversified identity because we have this strong root of our cultural background and adapting our identity in Australian culture means that our children, our first, you know, Australian generation children, are able to embrace this rich multicultural environment. Um, yeah, and often we don't think about this for a lot of migrants, family and children that educational institutions like early child settings or schools are basically the first point of contact in creating a foundational self-identity and self-cultural understanding. And there have been a very strong empirical evidence that shows meaningful homeschool connections 
are not only essential for children's conceptual development, but also for their ability to develop as individual with a positive self-image. So it's all really important, you know, when we talk about embracing and respecting cultural diversity in early childhood, it's not because it's part of the early years framework that we have to do it. <laughs> it is about creating a deeper understanding of the community that we want to It's all, you know, all that research based about creating that sense of belonging, sense of identity for the children. And now before we go into the depths of it all, let's talk about you, your professional journey with our listeners. Um, so since graduated for you, what's the career pathway that you started on and how has that led to the work and passion that you do now? So uh, thank you for having me, uh, Dee. I think it's, a, it's an honor to be on your podcast. Um, I'm very excited to be on it. It's my first one as a guest, so it's very exciting. <laughs> <laughs> um, so my journey, so I, I, I graduated and then I started working as a kinder teacher. Um, and I did that for how many years? Eight, eight years, I think I've done uh, kinder teaching. And then I got an opportunity to work um, at a university where I was writing curriculum for the bachelor's degree. And um, because I really enjoy the arts and creativity and drama and music and all those things, I was actually writing the, the modules for that. Um, at the at the university, I was writing it for um, Swinburne University when they had just started their education degree at that point in time. Um, so I did that for a year, and then I finished the contract and decided to go traveling. Uh, and I went traveling for around five months. And uh, and one of the things that I did while traveling was I volunteered at um, a monastery in India. And I was teaching English to children as well as adults. Um, so I was like, oh, because I, uh, I, I wanted to do something that was in the voluntary um, sphere. And because teaching is something that I've enjoyed and comes quite naturally to me, I really enjoyed the experience of being there. And also just seeing those children in their element in India, even without like any kind of resources, but just wanting to learn. Um, and enjoying that, um, it, it, it changed a lot of my perspectives of, you know, how education can be, and it doesn't have to be confined to the four walls in a classroom. Mm. There's so much education that you can have when you're outside, um, even with very little, um, you can learn so much. Because I learned a lot from them as much as they were trying to learn English. <laughs> so. Uh, it was amazing. And also they had like, there was a lot of like music that they really enjoyed and they liked to sing and stuff. So I was like, how can I creatively incorporate this with just not being like A, B, A is Apple and B is ball. Um, so that was, that was really enjoyable. And then I came back and um, I, one of the things that I really enjoy apart from teaching is also the understanding of um, human behavior. So I actually joined um, and, and a coaching course and became a coach. Um, so I have um, a, a coaching background as well. And um, I decided to join both of those together to go into um, education as well as coaching as consulting. Um, so I decided to do that as a side hustle. Then I did tutoring as well. I started teaching primary school kids um, English and maths. And um, I was doing that until I had my first child. Um, and then I decided to take a break, be with my child, do all the experiences that I could have um, as an educator, as a mother, um, have all this play set up experiences for her based on what she enjoyed and that was actually a very significant time for me because I wanted her to experience her cultural background whilst in Australia and that led me to build a group for children and parents from India and uh anyone who could speak Hindi essentially. And um, I was singing songs 
and doing story time. So it was like a play group, but it was mostly online. I started that during COVID. Um, and I used to do Facebook lives and videos. And my daughter's understanding of the language significantly improved because of that. But also the fact that she was very enthusiastic about being on the camera and like singing the songs and everyone really enjoyed watching her because <laughs> she was doing this. Um, but music is, is also a passion of hers, just mm-hmm. as it is like, it is for me. So she, she loved singing the songs and she could remember all the words. So it was, it was great to be able to teach her all these songs that, you know, I had grown up with and also to like use the songs that she is very familiar with um, and translate them. So like head, shoulders, knees and toes. I have an entire song mm. in Hindi that I made up, but I, I obviously I left the music as it is because it's, um, you know, a lot of people do that. And so I was singing those songs and people were like, oh, this is great. So I was like, yeah. So I made like a few songs actually, like the more we get together, the happier we'll be. That's, I have a version for that as well. Um, and uh, so all these other children were also learning these songs and they were singing it as well. So it was very, it was very fulfilling actually. Um, and that led me to go and do play groups um, in community centers. So I do play groups for uh, zero to five, where um, we sing lots of songs. And I'm also teaching them songs that I have created so they can learn this other language and um, be a part of that. And they're, they're really enjoying it. Um, and I also do a sensory play group for babies and toddlers from zero to two. Um, and that has been a lot of fun because I'm like, oh, these are all experiences that I can now incorporate mm. with my second child. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so that's what it is. And um, my my path at the moment is that I want to uh, do go and run a business where I work with families um, and essentially break down um, problems that they have into like easier simpler things that they can think about because i have realized that one of the things that i can do is like if a parent comes to me and says oh this is a thing um and this is what i'm going through i can like look i can step back and have a look and be like hey i think that you know have you tried this and have you tried that um and that has also led me to be writing articles for a paper where i talk about um lots of different things like how do you make play easy how do you make learning a home language easier for for parents but my passion throughout this entire thing has been in the early years um and that has been there from when i started doing the degree and the reason i did it was because i wanted to work with younger children i've always enjoyed being around them because i feel like you are your the inner child in you comes alive when you're around them because there is no they're unvanished truths and um, it's incredible the amount of love and uh, joy that they can give you at that age. Um, so it's why I always wanted to work with the younger children. And uh, when you, when I started doing the degree, I realized how important those years are mm-hmm. from zero to eight. And um, I'm always advocating for, you know, what are the best practices we can do? How else can we improve this? And the more I read, the more I understand, the more I learn. It's also tweaking how I respond to things, not only with my own children, but also um, with the children that I meet and how else I can improve my practice. So that's where I'm at the moment. I'm, I am going to have another baby. So the business thing is on on hold at the moment, but there are ideas that are brewing. So that's where I want to go. Um Hopefully, maybe by this end of this year, I will have launched something. Um, but we'll see. We'll see how the journey progresses with the second baby. Which is all really exciting. But I think one thing that has led or guide all of this work that you've done is definitely because it's meaningful to you. And yeah, what it absolutely. is that you're trying to create is a, a connectedness for your daughter, the, the, the culture and heritage that you grew up with, um, the language, you know, um, and, and uh, I guess modifying it 
adapting it, assimilating it into the environment that she's in now, which is the Austrian culture, head, shoulders, knees, and toes. Be it, you know, that's something that is a is a universal song. But what you've done is offered that. All right, we can sing that song in Hindi. We can learn body parts through that song. Absolutely. Um, and 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 what what you're also telling your daughter is that your language is normal, your culture is normal, and your culture yeah. is accepted in this culture. Uh, you're accepted. We hear you. We see you. And I think that's really really important for her um, when you know we talk about you know the identity and that sense of belonging in a world that she is growing up in, and that you're Absolutely. trying to find. Absolutely, a hundred percent, and. Uh, that actually was the 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 that idea um, cemented for me uh, because growing up, I've um, because I moved to Australia. Um, you know, you you have the the Singaporean. Well, I have the Singaporeanness in me, and I also have the Indianness. Mm -hmm. And um, the idea that you know, I don't have. I can assimilate into any kind of uh, culture because. I am me. Being a Singaporean, being an Indian, um, are parts of me. Yeah. They don't. They they they're not all there is to me. Mm -hmm. They're just parts of me, and um, I love all parts of me. And but I am Neha, which and I can assimilate into anything. And I wanted her to be. I mean, I only understood that when I was an adult. But I yes. wanted her to be able to experience that from a very young age, to have the confidence to be who she is without being apologetic about it. Mm. And to be able to draw from that self-confidence and know that, you know, she is Anushka, um, you know, she is who she is. And all these identities are just a part of her um, and that she can be confident in who she is. I want her to have that from a very young age because I know that if she has that, then when she grows older, she can draw from that well of self-confidence. So for me, that was very, very important. And I think the identity of who she is and the cultural aspect of it is they're all part of her. So I had conversations very early. I had the, you know, this is who we are, you know, the food, the the language, because culture is such a, um, it's, 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 a it's part of the every fabric that you have. And I also didn't want her to lose the fact that she was Australian as well. Mm. So incorporating that, it's not just the fact that she's Indian or that she's got a Singaporean mother. You know, it's also the fact that she's born in Australia and how, how do we incorporate that? What does that mean for her? Because, it, you know, we all make whatever the meaning is for us. Um, so, you know, to let her have that confidence to be able to grow up and be who she is and who she needs to be, that was very, very important. So that's that's one of the reasons why um, I, I have done this. Um, I completely agree because when you have your identity and you understand it and your belonging, it makes it so much easier to like just go through life. I think because a lot of the times is you know when you're not self-aware or self-secure in the identity as and and that starts from when you're a, a young child. It makes it very hard because you, you're like confused and disfranchised because you're like, but where do I really belong? Yeah. Who, who am, am I, I really? Yeah. And when, you, when you're questioning the who am I, everything is then confusing. Yeah. So for me, that, that, was, that is the driving thing. The, the idea of you need to know who you are and the younger and the quicker you can, I mean, I, I completely understand and agree that it's a growth process and it will change. Mm -hmm. But if you have the ability to be able to understand that from a younger age and you're confident enough to, in it, you're able to handle the the change as you, as you grow older as to who am I. Yeah, definitely. Because it will modify as you grow older. Yeah, yeah. But also, you know, those are the works that we've put in place for ourselves. And I think... Absolutely. You know, for us, perhaps, you know, you and I, um, I completely resonate to 
every single word that you've said, um, being that because we move into a different space and different environment, and we were finding ourselves in that environment, and 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 now being an adult, you know, in our I'm not gonna say how old am I, but in our late thirties, <laughs> where we're trying to we 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 know who we are. And being that because we have this really strong self-identity that is still, uh, you know, a working in progress. It's not that, you know, this is the end product of it. But being that we we have that strong self-identity, we are very sure with our passion. We have that drive and, and moving forward to it. And I think, you know, with what you, you've mentioned is that as much as we do want to have these ideas for our, our children, it's also as an educator, as a teacher, having this really strong self-identity is really important because then only then you're able to you know, teach about other cultures, about embracing your culture to begin with. You know, when we talk about early years sector, we are so diverse in different multicultural educators, but yet yep. there's still a gap in the sector in terms of how can we diversify, you know, what, you know, the culture, the community that we have, how can we include this in the children's curriculum? There's yep. still that massive gap. Um, you know, yeah. um, and, and, and even though we talk about, you know, a broader perspective, even that itself, it's, a, 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 you know, it can be a challenge for a lot of educators. We're talking about this is what we see every day. You walk on the streets, you see different, you know, shapes and colors um, yeah. of people, but yet it's still a struggle. And I think it really comes down to what you say about having that strong self-identity first, knowing who you are first, knowing your cultural heritage first being able then you know embrace that with the children um and i think that's so important what you're doing with play groups is that you're you're sharing that knowledge you're sharing that resources with other children from different backgrounds be it they you know can come from different you know migrant families or they are you know australian born but yeah. yeah, they want to embrace your culture because they believe Absolutely. that you know this is what Australian. But I mean, they're, they're like. coming. They, the, 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 actually, the, the best part about it is that they're coming to you with a blank slate. They yeah. have no idea, no. as children, um, about you know biases or prejudices or anything. They come with a blank slate, and the more you can give them, which is infinite, you know, we don't even touch like you know a tenth of what we can do with mm. you know neural pathways in the brain and everything that we can do at that age but the more that they can consume the easier the transition is going to be because i agree with you the gap is incredible because you know we definitely need to embed it every day all the time within our curriculum within our practices within our teaching um, what it means to be culturally diverse what it means to be having an identity of your own, what it means to you know own that identity, what it means to be embracing and accepting that. Um, and uh, and they, they have the ability to be able to do this. We just need to know how to guide it. And I think we need to know how to, how to put it into practice in a way that it's not that they're learning, oh, but this is a thing. It's, it's more, you know, this is a part of life. Yeah, because we now live in Australia. It's a multicultural country, and these are the people that we see all the time. Yeah, to be a part of the fabric of society that knows that you know we're all culturally, and it's not just culture; right? it's also the the neurodiversities that we have that we live with. So many children are different, and being okay and accepting that and understanding that, and it's just this is just a part of our lives, you know, um, and and growing with that. I think um, the 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 easier we can make that transition for a child, the easier it is for them to be accepting of, of it, I think. Oh, definitely. And, you know, starting it from the beginning, uh, yeah, you know, definitely. so that they have this strong understanding that, yeah, we're all people with unique identity uh, might look different. Your hair color might look different. Your eyes might look different. You might have different interests and different hobbies and different ways of doing things. Um, but we're all people, and yeah. how it is that we can work together or you know live together as a community, yeah. Yeah. Um, and be respectful. I think that's Absolutely. the most important be thing. Be kind, love each kind. other. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So you know, just thinking about you know when you started off in terms of you know sharing your 
culture and, and, you know, thinking about the play group that you've created. You know, what are the challenges that come with it for you that you think that was it adapting it into the curriculum for you? Was that something that you have to really think about or did it came naturally for you? Um, that is a great question. What was, I think it was, it was more unlearning, unlearning my own biases, I think. Mm. I mean, it was more of that. Um, the, the, the doing part of it was actually, that, that actually came very easy. <laughs> the singing and the, the being creative about it and the dancing and stuff. It was more, um, you know, is, is what I am thinking, is that a bias or is that actually really what I want to put out there for my child or for the, for the people that I'm going to be teaching? Um, is that appropriate? Mm -hmm. Uh, is it, you know, is it, is it, am I just pushing a a culture or am I actually, you know, embedding it in a way that they're learning something that was more, I think that was the, 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 the tough thing. Uh, because even within the Indian community, there are so many, so many dialects, so many languages, you know, um, I chose a language that I can speak, but I was, um, I was, I also, I also did another language that I don't, it's not my mother tongue, but I also did Tamil, um, because my husband is from South India. Um, but you know, to, 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 to have the songs, to learn those songs and to do it in a way that was culturally respectful, um, and that I was seeing the words properly, um, and just being aware of the fact that, you know, all the people that were joining me did not necessarily speak Hindi or Punjabi for that matter. Um, you know, they were a part of this community and how, what else could I have done to make this? So I, I, I did sing the songs and stuff, those that was for the kids, but I, I was very conscious of the fact that these were all parents who wanted to know more so how can we do this at home? How can we make this fun for our children at home so that they can also learn the language that you know we've grown up with um so i was very i was very conscious about that uh so that is why i was like you know how can we make language learning at home fun how can you make it easier how can we make it so that you know your children is going to enjoy learning the home language that they are part of that you know um so i try to do like master classes on that or try to like explain stuff on that so I, when I was doing the, the play group, uh, when I started it, I was doing it not just for the kids. I was doing it also for the parents. And that, mm. even for the business that I'm going to run, it, that is my, my, my goal. I do not, because I don't think that the one is, you can't have one without the other. I think that, you know, the community is such that it's a child, the parents, the families, and the teacher. I think they're all interconnected. It's like a triangle. Um, and I think if we all work together, then the child is the one that benefits the most. Correct. Um, because, you know, the, there are there are times when the child, most of the time the child is spending with their family. And if they have the tools, that's going to benefit the child. If the child has its own tools, that will benefit the child. And in the education community, if you can, you know, do the best practices possible, it will also benefit the child. So I've, I've, I've always thought of it as like a triangle. Um, so I want, I, I do want to work with um, families as well as educators down the line. Um, because I think that the more that they, the three get incorporated together, the better it is. Most definitely. In the and, years. Yeah. And it strengthened their understanding in, yeah, when, you know, when they're co-constructing the understanding of the world, it, it, it strengthened that, all right, this is how the world works and this is what the culture looks like this is what the community looks like um this is what diversity looks like for them yeah. for the children and it's so refreshing to hear from you and i think it's really really important for educators to hear from you that what you find challenging is on sharing your culture on you know teaching your culture with you know young children in the classroom Um, And especially for teachers who are teaching about a culture that they're not familiar with, you know, say, for example, you know, when we talk about, you know, an Indian culture straight away, you know, often we think about, oh, Diwali, let's do Diwali, Um, you know, let's do those little colors 
and excuse me for not knowing the term correctly, but I think that's the biggest thing that we're finding in you know early years at the moment is that yeah, if I think of a culture, I very immediately think about that very very topic. Yeah, so I, that that was that was different for me. It it was uh, I was very conscious about I need to make it that it's not. A tokenistic approach mm. that I'm not just pushing forward what the world is generally doing. That it's it's more a rounded, holistic approach to learning about the culture. That is Indian culture. It's not just Hindi or Punjabi. It's not just a language-driven thing. It's it's an Indian culture that I'm trying to express and teach and explore through music, through books. Um, and I'm not like I was, and I was very conscious also of the fact that, you know, these children are growing up in Australia. They're not growing up in India. Mm. They have completely different life experiences. And I want them to be able to relate it to being in this country. It's very important because what they're hearing and what they're learning outside is English songs, English nursery rhymes, like head, shoulders, knees and toes is what they're learning. Yeah. How can I use that and make it relatable to them? So that it's not like this is foreign. I don't really want to learn this because why? I know head, shoulders, and knees and toes. Why do I want to learn something that doesn't really engage with me or mean anything to me? Like why? Why am I learning a song that doesn't really matter to me? Right? Yeah. Which is fair for as a child. Like you're not forcing this child to like spoon it down the throat, right? You're not going. This you have to learn this. They're not going to want to do it if they're not going to enjoy it or if it doesn't relate to them. So I was very conscious about that. So like I would. It's, it's why I made the song The Hate Shoulders Knees and Toes because I'm like, everyone knows this song. Everyone likes this song. And hey, there are so many other ways. And, and, and I made it in such a way so that I was telling the parents, I'm like, if you speak Gujarati, you can just change the words. The tune stays the same. They know the tune. And they like the tune. And it is very easy to then remember. But now you're just using the song, not only to teach them the song, but also the fact that they can learn the body parts very easily through music. And I think music, I mean, this is completely side to cultural effect, but music actually teaches you so many things in so many ways very easily. You know, you don't have to like study it, but it's just the fact that you're doing it with song and dance. You're just like, you know, remember that quickly. Like I've seen it with my own child. The fact that she was learning it through music, she was like, I know all these body parts now. And I remember it. I can tell you exactly what it is, but I've learned it through song. Yeah. So it was, it was, it, that was very important for me to be able to relate it to where they have come from, where they're, and most of the ones who were actually all of them who had come, I had like people from the US um, and people from um, the UK, but they're all children who were born there. They're not children who have come from mm -hmm. India. They're born in, in Western societies where that's what they relate to the easiest. So how do you make it so that it's relatable to them? That was important for me. Yeah, but also you've shown how practical it is for yeah, families to be able true. to do that. It's like, oh, okay, I've never thought of it that way. Um, because I didn't get that actually when I first made the head shoulders. Like, oh my god! I yes, I, I could do this too. I was my like, blood. Yeah, you can. <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's yeah. very true. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and and I think that's where you know you have that power of knowledge of knowing that yeah I went and and you went to university learn about the you know the the brain development that comes to learning through music I know that's relatable to children I know that you know children resonate really well through music of different uh, abilities are able to resonate with music um, oh, and and how do I morph it into something that I want to teach you know a cultural language that is fun engaging for the children but also something that they're quite familiar with which is really really important for them when they want to learn something new as well and it's to be relatable absolutely. to them right yeah absolutely. yeah yeah oh you put that so much better than i did that was very <laughs> absolutely yeah but you know just thinking about your challenges but just thinking about you teaching your own culture what are your yeah. advice to i guess educators you know, in teaching about culture that they're not familiar with? Um, I think, first of all, I think that get, gain knowledge. Um, and I think your best resources are the parents that are coming to your service. Mm. Um, because actually, I think that they, they would be so happy to, to share 
about their culture, about what, what you know. And I think you get a lot of a, um, a better view of the culture when you're speaking to someone who's from the culture, because you're not just getting that, you know, like like you said, like, you know, it's, you know Indian culture is not just holy in Diwali. There's so much more to it than that. Um, and, you know, not everyone celebrates holy, just like not everyone celebrates Diwali, you know, because India itself is huge. Um, and the more perspectives that you can get, I think, will help to uh, so if you're, oh, to, to change your biases about what the culture is and also to understand more. I think if you can go in it with like, I just want to know about this culture and understand it better so I can be a better educator for the children that come to my service, the better it is. Um, so I, I'd go to that. I would also um, incorporate it in, in a way that it's not, it's, it's there. So like the language that they use, what are the languages that you use? Have like print of that language in your service. Um, what are the words that the children use? Connect with them through that. Because sometimes, a lot of the times, the link between the home and the center is lost. And um, children then begin to realize that to be able to fit in mm -hmm. and survive in a center, I need to be able to, I need to speak English. I need to understand it. I need to be able to speak it. Otherwise, I'm just a lost soul in amongst all these other kids that are here. Um, so I think that having that link, I think, makes a very big difference because it makes the child feel like it's okay that I don't necessarily speak English um, because there's someone else who can communicate with me exactly the way my parents communicate with me. I think that that's an important thing. And bilingualism, as we all know, has many benefits anyway. Um, and if your home language is very strong, the ability to pick up another language is immediately quicker by like so much more. And then to be fluent in both is not very difficult. Um, that is the other thing uh, I think is, is important. Um, and I think to incorporate it in your everyday, like ask the parents, how, are, how do your children eat at home? Are they using their hands? Are they using utensils? Bring that in to your center. If, the, if what they do is sit on the floor cross-legged and eat with their hands, let them do that. You know, because that, then that just shows the child that the child is accepted for who they are. Because some children do. I mean, uh, for a lot of things we eat with our hands because the hands are thought to be like you know the 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 thing that you if, you if you're using your hand to feed the muscle into your mouth is all this energy that's coming into and you know, we believe that so understanding that and using that just in simple ways i think will make the child feel included and also make the parents feel like oh am i oh wow this is great my culture is being accepted and appropriately introduced to all the other children and use it for all the other kids that are there right because yeah. it's an it's an experience for them how many of them have never ever eaten with their hands and a lot of them will love it because it's messy oh, <laughs> and you know eating thing. with this hands great exactly but right? also eating with hands is not about the culture as well as for them it's about their hand and eye coordination it's about feeling the texture and it becomes and a sensory, sensory thing yes they're like oh my god <laughs> i can feel this thing that i have to yeah like it's it's so much more than just culture right yeah. like for all the other children it's like this is a new experience. And yeah. in that experience, I'm learning so many things. Yeah, yeah. And it's not easy eating with hands. So I eat with no, hands at home. And so for my husband, he needed to learn how to eat hands. And I remembered food was everywhere, all, all on his palms. Whereas, you know, for yeah. us who are very familiar eating with hands, it's just our fingers that are dirty, yeah. right? <laughs> but it requires a skill. It's a, it's a learned yeah, skill. You, you um, learn. It's true. Yeah. So, you know, I think, I think it's about like what you said about, you know, putting your bias aside knowing your you know your your self-identity your strong self-identity who am I you know what sort of um, beliefs and values I have and how do I embrace this new culture how do I learn about other culture putting my you know understanding and knowledge aside resetting all over again asking why yeah. what how just being like children like you said starting yeah, with a blank slate 
Absolutely. Um, and I think I think that's the gap that we're finding when we talk about cultural diversity, essentially. Yeah, which I yeah. think is really important because for children, they are seeing it every day when they go out. The moment they step out the door, um, yeah. they're seeing different culture um, and different, you know, um, people, types of people. How do we embrace that? Um, and and I know like for for my family, we are surrounded with a lot of, you know, um, Asian heritage because that's something that we're familiar with. We you know hang out with people who are Malaysians and Singaporeans and you know Koreans uh, because that's something that we you know gel together as a culture in an Australian community. But for my children, it's about all right. Well, it's also about people with different colors, darker Absolutely. skin. You know, that eats different food. I completely hold. It's not just about like the, I am very. That, that for me is actually one of the biggest things. She she doesn't need to hang out only around Indians. Yeah, she should hang out with everyone. Understand everybody's culture because that's how you can live harmoniously. You gotta you gotta learn about people's different cultures. That's how I grew up when I was in Singapore, mm-hmm. um, and I wholeheartedly want that for her because the more accepting you are of, of of the differences that people have the more understanding you show them and the more joy you find in other people's cultures the more you grow as a human um, and it changes your perspective in so many ways um, because you learn so much more about oh wow there's this you know people live like this as well people do this as well um and, and it's and it's so great and, and when they when when they go into different early childhood settings they are meeting people from various different kinds of from differences in socioeconomic status to differences in how their families are it's it's a it's, it's there's so many so much difference and you know the more you can learn about it the more you can experience it, and the more you can understand it the greater your self-awareness is Definitely. And even for like educators to really understand like how different cultures communicate with each other. You know, when we talk about we we had this conversation last time, like even eye contact to so some culture eye contact is, you know, overwhelming. Um, we don't do eye contact to certain cultures. And so understanding that this is something that they are not familiar with, um, we need to be respectful. Um, yeah. And, you know, just thinking about what you mentioned about uh, mealtime, transitions are the perfect way to start with incorporating different cultures. Um, Absolutely. And obviously we're talking about one culture today, but, you know, it's about really understanding, all right, well, you know, wh- what are the cultures how are the ways do other cultures eat? And what sort of utensils they use? Uh, what sort of environment that they, they eat in? Absolutely. Um, and, you know, sometimes simple things like that. It's about just bring awareness Absolutely. for Absolutely. And for a lot of cultures, actually, like, you know, like, just as, as an example, like food play, mm-hmm. for a lot of cultures, actually, that's very confronting. Yeah. Because they've grown up hearing from a very young age, we don't waste food. Yes. And they come into an environment where they're having food play and they're doing sensory play. And, you know, I know that it's great and it's amazing and stuff. But for a lot of children, that's like, and for a lot of parents as well, it's like, this is rice that you're wasting. Yes. Yes. It's a precious commodity for me. Yes. But it's thing, but, you know, it's to to be aware of it um, and uh, to understand that it can be confronting for some families. And how can you then go, okay, this might be a little bit, you know, confronting for, for some of the families. What can I do to to make it so that it's not, you know, do I really only have to incorporate it in this way? What other ways can I think about it? So that they don't feel like, oh, but, you know, you're wasting food. Why are you wasting food? Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, um, yeah, I completely understand with rice. My grandparents were petty farmers. So rice is a second thing it's it's their income it's their livelihood so my mom used to say that you know you have to finish every single grain of rice on the plate or you'll hear it crying so so that you know you finish everything it's 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 you know precious for us so and i completely understand with that it's about knowing that you know and, and often i hear a lot of um responses from educators um it's like well this is the way how we do things or this is uh you know it's about using all rice it's, it's, it's not about that it's it's or, or we're recycling rice you know because we're going to use it in the next experience um no 
if you're starting with using food, you're thinking about not respecting other culture. You're not working in partnership with families in your community that you have within you. You're not putting your biases aside and really embracing, all right, why? Or finding out, really, uh, why? Why are certain cultures are affected by using food, you know? And I think that's I think that's really important when we talk about, you know, um, early childhood settings or school settings, um, educational settings in really, if we talk about diversity and respectful, you know, relationships, you know, it's about finding out and really understanding and meeting in the middle, negotiating culture. I think that's the most important thing. I think if you can find out and acknowledge the fact that, yes, we understand this might be a little bit confronting for you, but this is how we're going to use it. To be honest, I think if you can just acknowledge it, uh, most families will be okay with it because they'll be like, well, at least they tried to understand. They tried to understand, they tried to meet me halfway and they're trying to explain why they're doing it. Parents are not just going to be like, oh, you know, don't do it because it's my culture. And I, you know, generally they're very accommodating. They're like, okay, cool, we get it. But the fact that you've now tried to understand where I have come from, it's not so confronting for me anymore. It's not so confronting for my child anymore. And we're like, okay, cool. You know, you're trying to do an experience. This is why you're doing the experience, but you're meeting me halfway and explaining why you're doing the experience. And, you know, so you're saying to me that I understand where you're coming from as well. I think, I think that the, 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 the joy in meeting in the, in, in whatever middle that is, I think that would be amazing because I, 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 I do believe that, you know, um, at the end of it, like every child has to forge their own, their own path and their own self-identity, whatever that is, whatever that looks like mm. for them. Um, and, uh, you know, if you can, if you can bolster it, because, you know, a, a lot of us are also navigating the fact that we've moved into, you know, when you're a migrative parent, you have moved and you're also going, okay, so what do I really think? What do I really want? And you, you don't necessarily incorporate all things that you have no. uh, from your own culture. Um, there are a lot of things that I am doing differently with my child that my parents did not do with me. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, because I'm, I'm I'm forging my own path, and that and I'm I'm okay with that because I'm okay with my you know, who I am and my self awareness and stuff like that. Uh, you know, my child might do something completely different uh, based on whatever her identity is. Um, but I think the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the knowledge that, you know, you don't have to take necessarily everything, but you can meet people halfway and you can acknowledge who they are and what they do and that identity of, of, of who they are. I think that creates that sense of belonging because when you can acknowledge who they are, they automatically will feel like they belong as a part of your community, your center, your service. They're going to be like, cool, you know, they understand. And that just makes them, then they'll be like more likely to share who they are with you. Yeah. More likely to share what their beliefs are, you know, and what they're, what, what, how they really think and what they're doing at home to bring their child up. What are the things that they're incorporating from their culture? Because everyone incorporates, I think, different parts of aspects of their culture. You may not necessarily incorporate all the aspects of culture that you've grown up with, with your children. Um, you're probably incorporating what you, what you're like, well, this is what I want them to grow up with. This is what I want to incorporate for them. And that's what you're going to be bringing when you bring them to a service. Yeah. Because I, I don't necessarily incorporate all the Indian (laughs) cultures and traditions that I have grown up with or that I see, you know, there are certain things that are very important to me that I'm definitely incorporating, but there are certain things I'm just like, no, this, no, this, I will don't necessarily need to do this and it's fine. And I think that every Indian thinks very differently. But I think that, you know, you, you must go and speak to the parent, to the family, understand that background and where they're coming from. And I think that if you can do that, I think then diversity will be embedded within um, curriculum very easily. And I think what you've highlighted just now is that, you know, not making the assumption that all Indians are the same that Correct. it's not one size fit all. Um, yes. That it's about finding out, asking families um, what it is that works for you, what resonated with you, why yeah. that resonates with you. And why, yeah, absolutely. And what the story is. There's always a story that comes with absolutely. it. Absolutely. Um, you know, and it's about finding out from from families, talking to, to families, um, so that then you can create a holistic understanding for the children. At the end of the day, we're all here 
to create an environment that is a respectful, diversified, rich, engaging environment for the children. Um, and, you know, it's about working in partnership, just as you mentioned, you know, it's that triangular partnership um, between home, educational institution, and, you know, and, and families. Yeah. And that's really, really important. Yeah. We are to a Again, put that soil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. I definitely, yeah, resonate with that because that's something that um, we are, you know, constantly thinking about a lot more now, being that we're a mother. You know, what are the teachings that we want to continue yeah. on from our family? Absolutely. Um, what are the things that resonate with us? Um, what's important? And, and being that we have that knowledge in early childhood, you know, when we talk about identity and self-worth and, you know, um, emotional and, you know, social regulations, we know all of that because it's all evidence-based and we try to incorporate that in our everyday teaching with our children. And so it's it's completely different. Your parenting style now, it, it doesn't resonate at all with, you know, our family, yeah, yeah. our parents then because yeah. we are constantly evolving. Absolutely. Um, and our values are different now. So for early childhood sector, it's about finding out what are the family values, how yeah. it is that we can, you know, incorporate that into Absolutely. educational setting um, so that then it becomes that, you know, holistic understanding for the children that, oh, okay, I can understand how, you know, it's similar to what other important things are similar at home and they're very similar to uh, in school and that strengthened the identity into a better person into yeah, you know absolutely. understanding the world a lot better absolutely and also when they walk in the dual path it makes it a lot easier when you can see that oh this is how I can fit into both ways yes it, it works yes definitely. definitely this entire segment of everything you just presented to me because that was very very well put <laughs> <laughs> I'm just paraphrasing so yeah <laughs> um well towards the very very end I just had a quick look and I'm like oh my goodness like that's how fast the time has fly um yes. but just to finish off one advice that you would tell yourself when you started teaching what would that be? You know, when we talk about cultural identity and diversity, what would that be for you? Um, to be very honest, be open. Be very, be a sponge. Be a, like a child. Be curious, be a sponge, and just learn and absorb as much as you can from other educators, from the children that you have in your service, and from the families. It, because there is so much that you don't know that you learn that you need to challenge that you need to grow i have grown so much as an educator in the last 20 years um just and read a lot read read all the new articles that come out you know obviously you know whatever's definitely evidence-backed <laughs> but we grow your knowledge the, the 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 sponge thing is the most important like just be the sponge because when you can challenge the notions that you have about a particular thing and be like oh actually no you know this is a better way to look at it this is a better way to do it your experience and you as an educator the phenomenal growth that you can have is just amazing and that is only going to benefit the child that you're going to be in the company of and, and that is the, the paramount thing. You become a teacher so that you can impact the lives of children in the most um, fruitful and beneficial way so that, you know, they have the best future. And if that is your goal, then you need, the more you can grow as a human, the more they will. Definitely. And that, that is the most important thing because at the end of it, they are the ones that you're there for. Definitely. And you will be a better teacher and learning yeah, yourself absolutely. over and over again. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you're role modeling that, you know, it's this is a way to be curious. It's okay to ask questions and to yeah. learn. Yeah. And not so much, the so much knowledge. learning. There is so yeah. much learning. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for, <laughs> thank you know, you. sharing. You and I think definitely you've offered a different perspective, a perspective of a parent, um, but also as an educator. Um, and what we spoke about today is really, really important uh, in, in creating a really, you know, universal, diversified community that we live in. Um, yeah, so definitely. important for children. So thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs>